To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is uh, Room Tone, the radio show, and here we are on 100.5 FM Cop Radio. I'm Roger, your host. I can't wait to just head dive right into it because today we have a really, really, really sparkling duo getting to chat a bit more about documentary filmmaking with, everybody raise your hands, documentary writer and director Sandra Ignani and Vancouver International Film Festival programmer and filmmaker Milena Salazar. How are you all doing today? Very well, thank you. <laughs> nice, happy to be here, happy to chat a bit more movies here straight from downtown inside Vancouver. Now, let's just head dive right into it. Who is Sandra Ignani? I am a documentary writer and director. I'm, I divide my time between Vancouver and Los Angeles. I've been filmmaking for about four years now. And I'm the director of this film, Highway to Heaven. Amazing. Just a few random cities, LA, Vancouver, Toronto, just a few random cities. Huh? I'm so happy that the film life is treating you so well. That's amazing. And I can't wait to chat more about your short film, Highway to Heaven, a mosaic uh, in one mile. Uh, incredible, incredible short film. Uh, really, really almost like a poem uh, in a way. Uh, Milena, who is Milena Salazar over here? Hi, I'm Milena. So I am a documentary filmmaker and I'm also, well, I'm the editor of Highway to Heaven. So I'm excited about uh, talking about the film today. And as you said, I'm a programmer for the Vancouver International Film Festival. So I program Canadian documentaries for the festival, which is starting today. So very excited for the next uh, few days full of films. Um, and uh, yeah, so as I said, I'm, I'm a filmmaker as well, so filmmaker, editor, uh, a little bit of everything documentary. Love it. So I wanna, I'm so curious to hear about how this, this duo came together, directing and editing this film. How did it happen? Well, I, I was working for the Documentary Organization of Canada, DocBC, as the uh, administrator of the chapter, and Sandra was a, a member of the board of directors, so that's how we initially met. Mm -hmm. And um, I had had a few of my previous films play at DOXA, and Milena's a programmer at DOXA, so she was familiar with my work, and I was also familiar with her short films. There you go. So that's a full story right there. Now I want to just uh, uh, get right into it because Highway to Heaven. Wow. The, the touch of that film and the idea, you know, uh, I want to ask you actually ask Sandra how this came to be and what was your inspiration, and your idea behind making this film? Okay, well, so to understand why I made this film, uh, you sort of need to understand the kinds of documentaries that I love and I'm drawn to. So I feel like a lot of filmmakers um, they're, you know, interested in a particular issue or a particular person who goes on a journey. For me, what inspires me, what I'm absolutely drawn to are places on earth that are unique in some way or that I find unique in some way. So I happened to find myself lost on number five road in Richmond a few years ago. And uh, it was seeing the convergence of all of these diverse religious communities 
on this very, very short stretch of highway or road that made me think, hmm, this is a really interesting lens into thinking about religious diversity, thinking about multiculturalism, and thinking about the Canadian mosaic. Mm, there you go. And that's where uh, the beautiful juxtapositions and the beautiful contrast in the film comes together, but more of a celebration, it seems, a celebration of diversity, and that's where really uh, I see a lot of the brightness uh, for uh, as a really as a celebratory act, as a film to celebrate who we are and what we're doing here in Vancouver and, and, and especially Richmond. Now, Milena, editing the film, I know that, you know, by watching the film, I could see a lot of tempo, a really a good pace. It really felt like a piece of music. How did you structure the editing and how did you collaborate with Sandra to make that happen? Well, it was a... Um, first of all, uh, this is actually one of my first experiences editing a film for another filmmaker. No way. I've always edited my own films, so this was uh, kind of a plunge. I knew Sandra, and I really, you know, I've, I'm a fan of her work, so I was honored to ask to come on board to edit this film. We had chatted about the film, so I was familiar with, um, you know, kind of uh, the her creative approach to it and what the film was about. So, um you know, it's just such a, it's a really rich landscape and uh, a place that has a lot of elements that, that cinematically, you know, both in sound and picture could come together and, and, the, and the editing, I think we were trying to work with a lot of the sounds of the roads, the visual motifs, uh, to create a sense of, of pace and narrative that was still um, not your typical um, narrative storyline that you would expect maybe from uh, a more conventional approach to documentary filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was challenging, but I think Sandra had a very, um, she already had a very clear vision of what kind of film she wanted to make and what that uh, the story was. So it was still like there were some clear sort of, you know, uh, goals and, and, and that we were following, but there was still room to play around with elements as we were uh, as we were working together. Wonderful. And I can uh, I can actually see that uh, Sandra has a lot to add to that because it's a it's a it's a big story indeed. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that people will actually get the chance to hear more about it actually on Totally Indie Day, right? 28th of September. And uh, you're going to be there as a panelist sharing your story. I'm looking forward to that. Sandra. Yeah. So just to add to that. So this this film took even though it's 17 minutes, it took many, many years to develop. So um, from the point at which I had the idea to make the film that like, you know, I conceived of the idea, I started doing my own research with different participants. Um, but shortly thereafter, I was accepted into this program at the Union Doc Center for Documentary Art in Brooklyn. And I actually spent a summer working on the treatment. And one of the things that would come up over and over again as I was pitching the project and working with mentors and experts is that they would continually say, like, how are you going to, like, how is anyone going to understand that this is a road? And how are you going to unite all of these different places? And so it was that summer that I came up with the idea of using the idea of a waking day to anchor the film. So the earliest activity on the road, uh, in terms of time, the temporal or structure of the day, is uh, the Linian Nun's early morning meditation at 2.45. And so if we started there, we could literally go from place to place um, over the course of a waking day to show the diversity of language and music and culture and custom and also 
you know some of the more subtle tensions that exist wow. on the road. Um, but that was that was like the idea, and so we always kind of came back to that idea of the day, and you know mm-hmm. what will you know we have l- there's two different lunches that you see in the film, for example. I love the sound of that, just using the structure of the day and the road itself as a skeleton for the film, and then just spiraling into all these beautiful colors and the different aspects of the color wheel of the of the co- community, really, because it's a really at the end of the day, it's a film about community. And how did you work with these communities? How did you get in touch? Oh, can I just say one more thing? Make it happen, that. please. <laughs> <laughs> so while that sounds like very straightforward, <laughs> because there are so many different places in the film, like 13 in total, the possibilities beyond things like early morning, nighttime, and lunch actually become endless. And this is where I like really relied heavily on Milena to mm-hmm. work with me to figure out the right flow because there are so many different com- uh, combinations of, of, mm-hmm. of different uh, visits, as we like to call them. But sorry, the, your question about the participants? Can I'm you? really curious to hear from you. And actually, I'm very interested in hearing from Elena as well. When you received all this footage and when it comes down to creating a structure for the film, and then I want to get to uh, explore the ways you actually got in touch with the communities sure. and how you brought the cameras inside these rooms. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um so there was a lot of footage so there was a lot of material to work with um so the and a script existed in which sandra had visualized what that day would look like but as sandra was saying there were a, a myriad of options of how we could use that script as a starting point but there was a, a lot of room to move things around and there were you know choices had to be made of what had to stay what uh you know, we couldn't put put in the film, um, uh, depending on, you know, whereas we wanted to move from like music to music or visual motif to visual motif. There were things that the footage would just kind of allow itself to like would create that we could create connections that perhaps were not scripted, but then we could see in the material. Um, so it was a lot of it was a lot of just back and forth between us trying things out a million cuts a million <laughs> so cuts that we shared <laughs> with each other film. how many versions do you have wow i feel like it's like 26 <laughs> wow yeah i think so 26 versions and huh? then it's like scene so oh, and yeah. so version three uh edition <laughs> <laughs> Wow, and so right now. But then there were things that we had to cut that we absolutely loved, but they Mm -hmm. didn't, they just didn't fit like the atrium at the uh, RCMP. So the RCMP are in the film. Oh, yes, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. You see them. I don't want to give too much of the film away, but you do see them refereeing a floor hockey game between two of the many schools that are on number five road. And, uh, you know, we decide, I decided um, at an early point that I wanted to film the inside of the RCMP detachment in much the same way that I had filmed all of these other spaces because they are a building on number mm-hmm. five road. They're mm-hmm. part of the landscape. Okay. Um, and so we had just this wonderful footage of um, their atrium. Like you passed a high security door, you're, you're, uh, you enter into this lovely space, beautiful light and... Um, you know, there's a water buffalo hanging on the wall and there are like these mounties and costumes i mean it was just it was a wonderful space like mm-hmm. lots of oddities everywhere yeah. but it just it it didn't fit 
unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's part of the game, right? You just uh, shoot the arrow and let's see if it hits, let's see if it works. And we got to go do that constantly, right, as filmmakers. And it's just a matter of checking out, looking around. Oh, what is this like? How is this like? And then, fortunately, we have editors. And yeah. Milena make it, makes it happen sitting behind that, that screen and puts it together. And this is really an interesting angle. It's really an interesting debate because some people say that documentary filmmaking sometimes is made more from the editor than the actual director, which makes me scratch my nose, but at the same time is something I want to discuss with both of you because it's it, I'm genuinely curious about what is the impact that a completely different style of editing can have on the main idea of the film. I'm just curious about that, contra that, that contrast that came together uh, in the process of making the film. This was this is a learning experience for me because as I said I've, I've always edited my own films and I know that Sandra you've edited mm -hmm. your own films before as well so it was a first experience kind of being on that other side of well I've always just edited my own films but it was my first time kind of working uh, with another director and helping them realize their vision so um, I I don't know I, I guess I also it's like as an editor myself I I could very much kind of like understand your point of view, but you were very involved in the editing, like hands-on as well. Like you were editing scenes as well. Like you, you were editing on your side and send them to me and yeah. then I would incorporate into the larger cut. So you were there in the edit room. Yeah, mm. it was... Uh yeah, I definitely, I definitely was. <laughs> I edit a, a scene instead of Malay, and I'd just be like, "Oh, that's great." Yeah, but it would help me better understand, you know, kind of the, the, what it was that you were going the for. The essence of yeah, exactly like, the space. Exactly, yeah. it would help me see when I would see something that you cut. It's like, okay, this is kind of the rhythmic quality that you're going for, and therefore that would inform how it cut other scenes. You know, so that was very helpful. I yeah. love the sound of that. Huh? This is the, this is the first time I'll, I've also worked with an editor because I've edited my own. Um, work in the past and I mean for me like one of the pitfalls that I fall into as a director is that I become so familiar with the image and all of its various details that um, I don't allow enough space for like the audience to absorb everything that I'm actually seeing mm, we lose and so of I bigger cut picture, very huh? fast mm. and like that's something that people said about my um, like my last film Ranger was cut a, like a little bit too fast um, and so, yeah, Melina was great. It's like it, always saying like, okay, we have to have few, you know, fewer images here, but like, let's just hold on them a little bit longer. Like just like really like refining the pacing of the film. Um, that, yeah, it was just very, very invaluable. I mean, it's, yeah, it's always like great to have someone who is on your team, who cares about the project, who understands what you're trying to achieve and who's going to help you. And the musicality of the film is impressive. Is there a musician here? Not me. Sound <laughs> <laughs> no. that you play? I spent my one of my films is about a, a band. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I learned various instruments. I don't play any of them well, unfortunately. <laughs> what would you play? What would, be, what would be the one instrument you would play? You never think about this mm. stuff? Oh. I Man, I think about this stuff every I think day. Something percussion related. I think that's fun. Beats mm -hmm. are fun. Mm -hmm. For me, after making this film, I would love to play a harmonium. Okay, I'll give you that. That's a, that's a good answer right there. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, we're actually approaching the end of the first section here. We're going to have to take a little break. 
Um, you know, it, it's been a pleasure. We're going to continue to chat a little bit more. And I want to ask you more about the artistic background and what you've gone through and what's your life. What's the pattern? What took you to documentary filmmaking right in a second? But before that, uh, one minute juicy track. Everybody just enjoy. This is uh, Wes Wax with uh, Show You The Way. Catch you in a minute. Ciao, ciao. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Room Tone, the radio show. Here we are, 100.5 FM Cop Radio. I'm Ruggiero, your host, talking movies because we love it. Sandra Gnani and Milena Salazar, talking movies. Let's just head dive right into it. Did you get into documentary filmmaking right away? Was it more like uh, Fade from Black? How was it? Oh, I'm an old lady. <laughs> I, had a, I had a career. I had another career before I became a documentary filmmaker. Oh, what's that? Um, uh, mostly as a grad student. I was in grad school for a very long time. Um, I have a PhD in political science. Wow, uh, no kidding the, there, huh? Everybody be careful right there, okay? Speciali <laughs> specialization in feminist political economy. And so after I, I finished that degree, uh, I was uh, teaching at a few different universities. And, um, and it was in that process of teaching that I realized uh, the power that documentary has um, in our society right and in education so I started taking courses locally and um, and really just dive just, I dove into making films and I've, I've learned mostly through the process of making films amazing high five for that give me that come on yeah. incredible <laughs> high five in the booth because that's an interesting transition right there and I, I feel a bit whoo I'm gonna keep oh I gotta be really careful over here did you hear that background no kidding in this booth no more oh my goodness Milena what's your story um, I also didn't go to film school I, I studied international Whoop, Milena Let's give it a try again. Again? Okay. So I actually didn't go to film school. I studied international relations in university. And um, 
I I always had an interest in documentary, but uh, it was it was coming more from like a journalism background. I was interested in in, in journalism and media, and therefore just became involved. Uh, organizing film screenings in school. So at UBC, I organized uh, a, a, a series of screenings uh, called Cinema Politica UBC. Oh, no way! High five for that! I've heard about that. That's amazing! Good stuff there! <laughs> yeah, so that's a it's a, a global campus network of, of screenings. Um, so, yeah, I became involved with Cinema Politica, then I became involved uh, in festivals, in film festivals. I did internships at VIV, then I began uh, working at VIV, began, yeah, became involved with the Doxa Documentary Film Festival, and uh, yeah, I feel like I got my education essentially in festivals, watching films in festivals. Uh, I later did uh, documentary training at Pool Focus Film School, which is now called In Focus here mm, in Gastown. I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, and um, and yeah, that's uh, how I made my first film, and from there just continued making films. I've continued being involved with festivals and then just collaborating with other filmmakers. Wow, Milena, let me ask you here. What's the big dream? The biggest dream? Fearless dream? With regards to... Regards to life. Wow. Wow. The <laughs> big dream. We just changed. We went from a zoom telephoto lens to a wide lens. Macro. Can I throw that to you to break the ice okay I, well for me you know we're storytellers here so uh, when it comes to me it's about telling the right story to the right people at the right time right and going ahead that way with your heart in your hands and still using your eyes and your brain not to make stupid mistakes but telling the right stories right mm -hmm. that's the way we make change so documentary mm -hmm. filmmaking is a great way to do it but this conversation is also a great way to do it you know someone out there is maybe catching one concept out of this whole conversation that's maybe gonna make them think for, for the day right mm -hmm. that's a victory right there right okay now back to you yeah so I think I mean though I, I love I love documentary and I like being involved and I hope to continue being involved in this in, in this world whether that's making my own films or working with other directors editing their films or whether it's championing other people's films uh, as uh, a programmer festival organizer whatever and uh, yeah I just think that film and documentary specifically has uh, you know, the power to um, make us more aware of ourselves and our position in the world and reveal worlds to us that are different from our experience and ho experiences and hopefully that will help us move through the world and, you know, like kinder gentler, more respectful ways. Mm, look at this combination of words. Let me throw it all the way to Sandra over here. I'm very curious. The big dream, fearless dream. Oh, you know... <laughs> I think for me, related to documentary, um, I don't know that I have grand, grand dreams. I operate on a much more micro scale. And so for me, I think the goal is really to make another film, um, to continue to be able to make films in the way that I make them, which um, doesn't tell people what to think about an issue but actually just gives them a framework to explore their own thoughts and feelings about the world that we all share um so yeah i think it's twofold like i have aspirations and dreams to make more films in this style and i hope that the world will receive them at the same time i'm actually really excited with this film 
to see the kinds of conversations that will emerge from it. Mm. Um, one of the things I say about this film, it's in my director's statement, is that you know multiculturalism is an unfinished project. And I use uh, the term mosaic to really anchor um, the film. And by mosaic, I mean a conversation between what is broken. So it is, on the one hand, very beautiful. What you see in this film is very beautiful um, and has a, a message of hope to it. But at the same time, there are also difficult conversations to be had um, about how we share um, Wow, I would have never said that because uh, really from the aura and from the energy of the film, it really feels like a celebration. Like, look at how beautiful it is to have so many different colors in the same domain, in the same landscape. And to me, that's fascinating. That's something that Vancouver and basically this part of the world can be very proud of, don't you think? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful reading of it. Um, but that I think also speaks to your own social location in Vancouver and you know your own personal history. But someone else watching the film may have a completely different experience. Mm, take us with there. It. Take us there. Take us there. Well, I don't know. See, so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to say. That's why I don't like speaking about the film too much because it, like, in a way, it is a poem and it can be read. And like a poem, um, you may read different things each time or you may think about different things each time um, you engage with it. I'm so, curious. Take us there. Take us there. I'm curious. <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is allow people to experience the film and then reflect on it and then share that reflection with, you know, someone who's sitting next to them in the theater in which they watch it um, to talk about what they understood from it and what really resonated with them. Because it's in that process of dialogue that we're actually going to come, I think, to a place of more cultural learning and more cultural uh, respect and understanding. So that's like the spirit of the film. So I love that you see I love that you see beauty in it. Like, that makes me really happy. I'm also aware that someone m who may see something else. Of course. Um, and, and through the conversations, we can get to a place of... Interesting. Of what was the intention behind making it for you, your point of view? I mean, it was like, I, I'm a researcher by training, right? So I love, I'm a curious person. And so <laughs> I see these things in the world and I want to spend time in these places. And I mean, I think I am motivated to a certain extent by the documentation of truth. Like I want to tell like truthful stories and, you know, approach my work ethically. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a director that has a very strong opinion or point of view that I need to get across. Like to me, it's like more exciting to uh, recreate in a sense, a landscape, and then allow other people to navigate it for themselves, which is a very different, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean, there's a group of, there are groups of filmmakers who do this kind of work, and I consider myself one among mm, them. Wonderful. I'm wondering if there is a specific uh, school of uh, movies or, or filmmaking that has inspired you to do so. Um, well, I was lucky last year, I um, had a year-long mentorship with a director called, um, or sorry, his name is J.P. Sniadecki. He teaches at Northwestern, and he's part of the Harvard Sensory Ethnography Lab, or at least that's where he was trained. His work really resonates with me. It's ethnographic, and it's place-based. Um, and so... 
um, I was able to learn from him. Um, another person whose work I really admire is Brett Story. She's a Canadian filmmaker. She was one of my mentors at Union Docs as well, actually. Um, she made the Prison and Twelve Landscapes, and also The Hottest August. Um, those films are much more, I think, like overtly political than my film. But at the same time, the the form of the film allows a certain allows for like a certain level of audience engagement and a, um, a more activated audience than mm. maybe a more conventional mm. documentary. Mm-hmm. So those are two two people who were instrumental to my yeah. Um, there you go. I'm curious uh, to uh, take that question all the way to Milena over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about uh, sort of inspiration. People I'm wondering inspi- about the filmography, the, the the type of films and the type of people and filmmakers that have inspired you or ins- or created and shaped your mm-hmm. film style. Yeah, I'm. I love that kind of style of filmmaking and the influences that uh, you know the people that you you reference and the way that you work. I'm. I personally a, a kind of sort of a niche within documentary filmmaking that I am really drawn to is personal filmmaking, so first-person stories and essay films. Um, so, uh, actually, uh, a filmmaker who was uh, has always been very important to me is Patricio Guzman. He is a Chilean documentary filmmaker, and he made a film in, I believe, 2010 called Nostalgia for the Light. Mm. Uh, that was uh, always kind of at the top of my, my list. And... I uh, yeah I'm interested in in, in um, I don't know in, in, in films that uh, tell personal stories uh, and sort of like poetic ways mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's very open but yeah I'm kind of you know curious about work where filmmakers don't shy away from looking into themselves and their own personal stories, their families, because um, there's a lot of interesting dynamics that come out of that. Mm, there you go. I can see a lot of poetry here, and I see Sandra willing to speak more about poetry. You got something there? No, no, oh, no. no. I, since no. we're on this topic of films we love, <laughs> <laughs> Let I need it out. to mention two. Let it out, please. One, there was a film, a documentary film that inspired me to go into grad school, and that's actually a national film board Canada film called An Untidy Package, and it's about the closure of the cod fisheries um, in Newfoundland in the early 1990s. And I was on my way to law school and then just did a total 180 and went to grad school because of this documentary film. And then the second documentary film that made me get off the academic track and get into documentary is a beautiful film um, by Alan Sakul. Alan Sakula and Noel Birch called um, The Forgotten Space and it's about the oceans and the, as um, an unseen and unthought about um, mm. um, variable in our sort of political economy. That's wow, a very bad way of, of describing it. But I also <laughs> Alright, there you go, there you go. That's good. We got a lot of different colors in here, different color, different textures uh, mm-hmm. uh, mainly, but definitely uh, very interesting to hear your points of view, especially after watching Highway to Heaven and, uh, you know, uh, the point of view of a, of a programmer here that is so, you know, articulate and, and basically enriched by watching all these movies. Mm-hmm. And something that I'm uh, curious to ask you is about the process of curating a festival like the Vancouver International Film Festival for Canadian documentaries. Mm-hmm. How many documentaries do you get a year? How do you actually get through the process of choosing the documentaries that make it through? Mm-hmm. So every festival has a different process for how they manage submissions. Uh, for VIF, I watched dozens and dozens of films this year, and it's it's a group effort, so there's a group of 
uh, programmers uh, who are all watching the Canadian films that are submitted to VIV and there's also screening committees that are all uh, screening committee members that are also watching the films that come in so there's it's a lot a lot of people are involved in making those decisions personally the way I approach uh, programming is you know you're always looking for Uh, films that have you know artistic and social relevance so I'm interested in seeing a unique artistic point of view but I'm also interested in in looking for films that can drive broader conversations so you know within that there's a lot of just like your own personal taste and bias obviously that comes into the process but those are I think like the the two things that I always try to keep in mind whenever I'm watching a film and you know there are films that just really uh, you know they really just like leave an impression of you and, and resonate and um, as well as that depending on the festival or event that you're programming to you have to keep in mind uh, the audience and what that audience is kind of looking for and not only catering to that but trying to always nurture and maybe like push people to see things that would be yeah that that's uh, it's always a pleasure to listen to programmer talk like this you know it's mm -hmm. just like they go on this beautiful journey and they lay it all out for you just like that and it's wonderful and I remember actually talking with uh, Tom Charity uh, programmer as well um, here uh, actually at the beginning of the year and noticing the pattern right I can see the similarity and of course the love that that programmers have for film which is a love that we can all learn from mm -hmm. you know as filmmakers storytellers that love that counts every single frame of the film in so many different ways it's something so precious mm -hmm. Sandra what would uh, if you were to actually make a document uh, a film festival would it be a documentary film festival how would you structure that if I was to start a uh, film festival it would be devoted exclusively to hybrid film Ooh, okay. <laughs> because it's very it's very very difficult to uh yeah to to get these new forms of film uh out in, into like these mainstream festivals i mean like you anytime you're doing experiment anytime you're doing experimental work like you really just you have to hope and pray that the programmer is going to like you know receive that work with um with like a, an openness right um it's just it's really hard when you're like working outside the box um and working within a system that sort of forces you into these categories right so mm. <laughs> that would be anyways that would be my, my oh, oh, oh milena's going right yeah, there oh, I, what's going on milena what do you I think i want to i want to add uh something Uh, to that as well because I'm a director as well and I'm submitting to festivals you know and I'm also you know hoping that the programmer who's who's watching it you know gives you know my film the time that you know the, the, like that I put all this effort into making this film and I'm hoping that that person you know will will, will receive it and be open to seeing the film but um, somebody told me just because we're talking about festivals and you know there's there's always you know, we're celebrating the films that got into the festival. There's a number of really good work that doesn't make it to the festival. It doesn't make that doesn't mean that it's not good work, you know, and work that deserves to be seen. And somebody shared with me the other day uh, a quote that I just want to share because it resonated please, with please, me please. in the moment. And they just said, you know, just because uh, for a filmmaker, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that just because their work didn't get into a specific festival it doesn't mean that it's not absolutely the film that they had to make mm. and i uh i felt yeah. uh, identified with that because uh 
yeah, I'm also in the process of like submitting a film that I made to festivals, and it's like sometimes it's good to hear to hear that you know, and that it's it's each film is an integral part to your artistic process. Wonderful. Yeah. Which is why when you know when we came to the final cut of Highway to Heaven, it was just so important to love the film, right? Like, and I remember doing the final sound mix um, with my producers, my sound designer present, and watching it in a very small theater. But just at the end of that process, like, really feeling like, I love this film. You know, like, I'm not sure <laughs> if anyone else is going to like this film, but I absolutely love it. And I think that as a director, that makes it just so much easier to navigate that crazy world of festivals and industry and and money right mm. which is really what it's about mm -hmm. and a question for both of you what are, what is the actual importance and the necessity of film festivals for someone's career <sighs> tough question right here we're getting tough over here <laughs> i mean i think festivals can serve many purposes they connect uh filmmakers with an audience that's very important so there's that the visibility um there is uh, the prestige that comes with it and what that can lead with regards to you know future funding um there's the possibility of awards and and you know cash awards that can be very important uh for filmmakers um yeah. do you want to add yeah i Mm, Sandra is, is, is a bit uh, conflicted here. Is, uh, <laughs> how am I going to answer this? Well, I think I mean I think the audience I think the audience point is like very very key. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way of it's it's a sim it's a s more simple or straightforward route to finding an audience, but it's not the only way you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is very very important for the festivals. And then yeah, you know I mean I I remember at some point I had a roommate who. Uh, he was a f he w he called himself a film I mean I called myself a filmmaker he called himself a filmmaker and he was making these short YouTube videos of um like ski him skiing and doing all these like <laughs> ski tricks I don't know what do you call it but he, he does mm -hmm. like really crazy things on skis in the snow <laughs> and he just had like this like massive massive audience on YouTube for his work and you know his work maybe he submitted it to some kind of festival maybe it didn't get any certainly didn't go that route but that didn't actually stop him from you know making these kinds of films that he really loved and that people also loved watching right mm. so it really depends on like like what your goal is with filmmaking i mean for me i'm always thinking about my next project and you know i, I want support i want people to support me and so you know pre having this um film play at vif is like one thing that really helps me as a filmmaker um but if i didn't have that i would just like have to get like really creative about where i was going to find funding for my next project mm. but it's possible you know like mm -hmm. it really i see is what you mean so something that comes uh, to the surface uh, with this conversation is the actual process of distributing your own films mm -hmm. and as things and, and you know it, internet is just right here right under our nose every single day um, how do you believe that platforms like YouTube or even Vimeo are impacting distribution for us as independent filmmakers well I mean I as opposed to um, you know 
Vimeo or YouTube, I'm I'm really exciting excited about other online because we're talking about short films mm-hmm. and highway. I'm really excited about other platforms that exist out there for online distribution of short documentary films, and that I think have really changed the landscape of, of of like what's available and like ways that you can distribute and connect with audiences online. And for example, that's the New York Times Opdocs. That's an amazing platform where. Tons of great films are showcased there. Um, there's the platform Field of, Field of Vision uh, that showcases or like artistic journalistic work. Um, so there is definitely like the internet. You know, it's it's another alternative beyond festivals where we can, as filmmakers, connect with an audience, share our work, and again, like create broader conversations around the projects that we make mm, there you go there you go two oh, others guardian as happen. well as the making guardian, excellent yeah. short documentaries um yeah. and national geographic mm-hmm. as well and what's i think beyond what, what i say it's you know youtube and vimeo are great but what these platforms offer is a curated selection right so you're not just there in the sea of whatever yeah. youtube content is but you know you know that you're going to a curated selection that has a level of quality, you know? One of the things that I hear mostly out there is when we talk about films, they, people ask, oh, is it on YouTube, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's right. Uh, that's, that's a question that ah, it makes my, my, my long nose just go like, oh, what, really? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I, I don't really like the sound of that question, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that there is a lot of uh, uh, change and transition happening right now mm-hmm. uh, in film. And I see that uh, uh, Milena is getting excited over here. What do you think about well, that? And I also want to say, oh, for yeah? example, uh, you know, public funders here in Canada, the NFB has a lot of content mm. on their online, uh, you know, on their website, nfb.ca. The CBC has a lot of their content, mm. short documentaries that they fund through CBC short docs that are available for free online. So it is, it is becoming, you know, easier to do a festival circuit and then be able to share your work online for free. Mm, high five for that avenues, answer. So that's cool. Hi, high <laughs> yes. five in the booth, Milena. Amazing. <laughs> wow. This is a really interesting conversation right here going all over the place from the peak of the mountain to the bottom of the sea going all over the place. And uh, it all started from highway to heaven. Wow. And really talking about the, the poetry and we talked before the show actually mentioning as a tome poem. I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about that definition there. Well, uh, <laughs> goodness. Um, so, like, one of the things that inevitably happens as a, as a filmmaker is that people want you to distill your body of work into, like, a nice little sound bite. And so, and sometimes people do it for you. They're like, oh, because, you know, oftentimes people will describe your work, like, in the media and whatnot. Um, and so sometimes my film gets um, described as cinema verite, which I don't think it is. Um, Sometimes it gets described as observational, which obviously it has those elements, but I wouldn't call it a purely observational doc either. Um, and one, uh, uh, one I don't want to call it a label, but a, a label, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I found actually to, to be um, like a good fit is uh, the idea of a tone poem, right? Mm. Which is like a short, single, united, cohesive piece of orchestral music. And so that is actually kind of how my films operate um, as like uh, structurally. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. tone poem. I'm going to keep that in mind. This sounds like a like, like a whole new genre right there. What do you think? What do you think? Why not? Why not? Well, I mean, it's like I would just, you know, 
prefer oh these are Sandra and Yanni's films and they're a little bit you know different <laughs> nice wow so hard I have to pigeonhole myself it's, it's so hard to have to put a definition and a label on our films right mm. especially all of them where we're I trying know. to do something different all the time it's part of the game it's part of the game wow you know what is part of the game we have to take a break too that's also part of the game so we're gonna actually take a, a three minutes break right here on Cop Radio 100.5 FM this is Room Tone the radio show I'm Ruggiero your host what a pleasure to chat with Milena Salazar and Sandra Gnani we're gonna continue Continue the conversation right after 2099 from Mike Whale. Hey, hey. A lot of people done came and went, but it's our time now. Guess we'll soon find out, right? I cracked the Da Vinci code, now my eyes spilling out. Godly, like a quick reminder with forever in doubt. If you're ever in doubt, play this with my auntie Jam when she clean around the house. And begin stressing now, why? Cause the kids gotta eat, but they all feel asleep in good health. And that's all that matters now, smile, cause we're still below the cloud. Loud, like, back when I was backseat driving, hoop deep on an outside Melvino. Now my nose on the porch outside, or the girls try to give you a line up. Fucked up, nigga shit lopsided up. Tryna boss, so we train like a ride up. Wheels on the high drum seats from the fire truck, stop in the hood, but it's our life, all up. I seen it, she said, oh, you silly, I know that I'm in, I won't, I'm just living, I ask me what I want, I say you to play my song, like it's 2099, what it comes to live with. Malcolm and Jesus It's all the same Just think about it Like Master Pete does Like how they rest in peace Us when gallant They spill your leaders Nothing short of a genius Rob a bumpy pimp Phenom Y'all talking terracotta I'm talking underground kingdom Oh, I seen it She said Oh, usually I Don't that all in I Won't I'm just living I ask me what I want I say you to play my song Like it's 1499 When it comes to living Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody. Here we are, Room Tone, the radio show, 100.5 FM Cop Radio, talking movies because we love it. There was 2099 from Mike Quayle. 
beautiful, nice, juicy track. And it actually says, we are here for reasons. Is that true? What do you think? We're here for reasons. Are we here for reasons? Yeah. What do you I, think? I, I think that's true. <laughs> I'll say okay. <laughs> I'll say, okay, well, that's it. Okay, that's it. Wow. Holy moly. Wait, is this moly. a big question? Whoa. Wait, I, thought, I thought we already did Hitting a big a wall question. right there. Wow. Okay, well, get ready because you're about to get some oxygen masks and go down even deeper. Even deeper. There was nothing. Wow, there was nothing. Okay, okay. Well, I guess before we head into the Proust questionnaire, uh, you know, before we do all that part, we're going to stay a little bit more on the surface and we're actually going to go for the one-minute pitch. How are you feeling for that? Who's going for the one-minute pitch first? Okay, I can start. Milena is going. I'm going to hit that clock. You are you ready? Hit it? Okay. Three, two, one. It's happening right now. Let's go. So I just want to encourage people to go see a lot, lots of films at VIF. I'm a programmer for Canadian documentaries, so I'm just going to, in this one minute, tell you about a few films that I'm really excited about. So uh, people, go see the world premiere of The World is Bright. It's a feature documentary by Ying Wang um, so it's the world premiere first time that is showing here please go see it uh, also encourage you to go see the film Conviction so it's an NFB film by Teresa McInnes and she's going to be here at the festival so it's set in a correctional facility in Nova Scotia and part of the film is shot by inmates themselves so please go see that um, also go see when We Walk. It's a film by Jason Da Silva. He's also going to be here. Um, he did a film that showed at VIF a few years ago, When I Walk, that was very popular in which he chronicles his journey with MS. And uh, this one is a film that is dedicated to his son. So please go see that. There are so many films. Just go to VIF.org and you'll find them all in there. And that's one minute perfect, Milena. 100 oh, points. Great. Nobody ever oh, got that before. Oh. Incredible. And by the way, shout out from the two first films that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, they're actually coming straight from uh, the work of Good Pitch as well. And Good Pitch Vancouver, shout they out are. to Good Pitch Vancouver and Story Money Impact. They're doing a great job for documentary filmmakers. They Check are. that out, Good Pitch Vancouver. Sandra, one minute pitch. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I'm ready. Amazing. We're going to reset that clock and hit it. Three, two, one. Let's go. Okay, so my pitch is going to be for Highway to Heaven, which I directed, which Melina edited. It's playing as part of the Beyond Belief Canadians short program, uh, Sunday, September 29th at 8.45 p.m., and then again on Sunday, October 6th at 8.15 p.m., and I will be at both screenings. Wonderful, and there you go. That's uh, the other one-minute pitch from Sandra. Amazing. Such a great combination of screenings here at VIF and uh, keep an eye on Highway to Heaven. We're going to make sure to add all of that in the description of the podcast as well on roomtonepodcast.com. Uh, this is great because now we are actually getting towards uh, the end of the episode and we get to do the Proust questionnaire. So okay, get your okay. oxygen mask. We're going to dive right deep into it. <laughs> okay. And the first question of the Proust questionnaire just to get right into it I'm gonna throw it out there okay whoever yeah. okay what is your greatest fear okay um, I can say I'm just gonna say two things I am terrified of uh, being asphyxiated isn't that awful <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> whoa okay hold on fear. like I'm terrified wow okay there you go first time I hear that on the show huh Good, good. Okay. <laughs> high five, high five. Give me that, give me that. <laughs> Sandra, greatest fear. Okay, so um, I do not know how to drive a car. I've tried several times in my life to learn, and I'm actually just extraordinarily scared of operating a vehicle. 
You know what? You know what? That's an easy one. I can say the same thing times two. High five for that. <laughs> High five for that. I have a really hard time with cars. Those four wheels. Give me two wheels. That's good. But four wheels. Oh, my Are goodness. Are we allowed that's too to much. throw the questions back to you? Ooh, well, I'm going to give it a shot with, with the greatest fear. Definitely driving. And I'll tell you why. Really? I'll tell you why. When I was driving in Italy, it was Christmas time. And I, I had to drive a friend's car that had a broken clutch. So it was a mess, and it was the first day that I got my, my driving license, which I got as a gift for Christmas, pretty much. I did my test one day before Christmas, and in Italy they said, yeah, man, you can do it, you know, so let's make it happen. And, uh, and man, like this car broke in the middle of the road, and all these Christmas angry people, and I had to push the car on the side so that I remember and I have a hard time driving greatest fear there you go there you go 1-1 one, one, ball in the center there we go second question of the Proust questionnaire oh what is your current state of mind? oh yes okay current state of mind we're gonna have to speed it up over here let's make it happen let's make it happen okay currently I feel I'm 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 excited because the festival is coming there's a lot of guests that are gonna be in town there's so many films to see I did my Viv schedule yesterday so I know exactly where I'm gonna be and I'm feeling inspired and excited wonderful wonderful Sandra I, I sort of have two um okay I'm a little hungry. <laughs> okay. I arrived after midnight after midnight last night, and uh, I'm staying with a friend, and haven't quite found my sea legs yet on this trip. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I am, you know, incredibly grateful to be here um, at VIF to share this film locally um, with the people who helped me make it, the National Film Board of Canada, and also the people who appear in the film. Like this is a really like lovely and wonderful thing. So I feel incredibly grateful and very joyous for this. Festival. Festival. Wonderful. I love it. And there goes the shout out actually to Katya the Bok who connected the dots for this interview from the NFB. So thank you, Katya. And uh, this is going to lead us all the way to the third question of the Proust questionnaire. Ooh, this is a sparkling question to ask women. And this is Proust writing it down for us. What is the quality you most like in a man? <laughs> I mean, I will just say, you know, person in general, and I, you know, I would hope that you know, everyone just like uh, respect for other people, just respect one another. That's the quality that I most admire in another person. Nice. Yeah. Just like gentleness and thoughtfulness in, in people mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay, I'll get those. I'll get those for sure. Uh, two, one, two, one. There we go. Fourth question, the Proust questioner. What is your greatest extravagance? I don't think I'm a very extravagant person. <laughs> I okay. I think we're like, <laughs> yeah, the documentary filmmakers, we're a, we're a simple... <laughs> yeah. No extravagance here. Okay, sure. okay. No, at, this moment, at this moment, at this moment... Wait, are we, we going through all 26 questions? No, 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 no. They're 35. We're just picking five. <laughs> so we have one more, one more. But we've had a, a really hard time so far. It's, it yeah. seems like our oxygen mask is falling off and we're going deeper and deeper in the ocean. Yeah, What's it's, going on it's, here? It's, these are deep. And I went to a dark place really fast, so I need to get... A <laughs> wow, very good, very good. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to keep it easy. We're going to keep it easy for the last one, okay? okay? Last question of the Proust questionnaire. Come on, this is our time to wrap this whole thing up. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh. Mm. Okay. Just like uh, love. Yeah. Just like unconditional love. If like people could just practice unconditional love every day as much as possible, yeah. that's pure joy, right? I agree. I think. Being surrounded by loved ones and uh, creative pursuits. 
Good, very good. That's uh, that's it for the Proust questionnaire. Diving deeper and deeper with the oxygen mask. Uh, we survived. <laughs> we survived. Barely, barely. We survived barely. But it's part of the game. We know we want to chat a little bit more about life and just leave movies on the side and just get to share a few laughs before we wrap up the episode. And uh, we're actually getting towards the real end. We gotta wrap this whole burrito up. So before we make this happen, <laughs> before we wrap it all up, uh, let me ask you one more thing. What is your number one piece of advice? for independent filmmakers out there? I mm. would say make the film that you want to make. So that was, you know, kind of related to what we were saying. Like at the end of the day, you have to love your film. So don't make a film that you think is going to get programmed or don't make a film, uh, you know, with with other people in mind. I think that's because, uh, you know, it has to be creative, creatively fulfilling to yourself. So just make the film that you want to make. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Milena. Sandra? Yeah, and just to add to that, make a film. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Um, but, you know, your film doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be high budget. But just make something that you love. Just make it. Just do it. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And it's been a pleasure to have here Milena Salazar and Sandra Agnani representing uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, representing Highway to Heaven, a mosaic in one mile, splendid film uh, directed by Sandra and edited by Milena. Uh, shout out to everybody out there. Um, thank you, Katya, for hooking us up and making this happen. Uh, thank you for joining. Um, it's been a pleasure here on Room Tone Radio, you know, 100.5 FM Cop Radio, straight from downtown inside Vancouver. I'm Ruggiero Host. We're actually going to uh, go and fade into the last track of the day, very juicy track from emerging artist Osser Bradley. Everybody just enjoy it. Catch you next week, 11 a.m. This is Searching. Ciao, ciao. And I'm just searching for purpose Living life so determined They trying to kill my innocence Like black voice lame verdicts See them services lurking I hear them burst That he chirping Was widening in the wilderness So I ain't saying I'm perfect Bad women my distraction But I'm steadily working And good women what I need But I'm way too assertive Pray my classes be on vinyl Now I'm scratching the surface It's just certain to be certain Like Apollo ain't no closing my curtain A product of where I come from The Lord he gon' give me comfort I'm faithful but never blinded My blessings come in abundance My city you know it's busting The violence I grew accustomed for goals, I'll be steady running They never would give me nothing at all Thank God I ain't never get a handout So when I get it on my own, it's obvious I stand out On this is LaSalle block at my granny Graham's house Pray I never have a cell block Free my mans out, tell your mans cool off Before we bring them fans out God got me so I'm good, never needed mans vouch All up in the hood, boy, don't make me bring the clan out Bullets on the block like I never ever ran routes from two to the one Devin Miles for the bands I just move with a drum Make a move to my drums Leave them shook when I'm done I'm deep booked with the suns About to go on the run That's a full court press And yeah, it's nothing but neck They dramatic like the strings I'll be right at they neck Level up, volume two When the streets don't get stretched I say a prayer, know I'm blessed But I keep me a tech Now what's up? Now what's up? Hey, triple W dot When is the album gonna drop? My web browser full of future destinations For my full house congregation When I finally procreate them That's why all my storage space is my head in the clouds I'm getting way too creative, it's scary, honestly Firm believer that my gift a commodity I'ma be fine, know the time is of the essence